0: Dadsnet net original podcast hi Mel JK's not here but this is still the JKNL podcast um, and we're, we're joined um, by um, by a, a, an incredible guest today uh, which I mean I'm not even going to bother kind of delaying because it's just one of those people that does that doesn't really need an introduction but it is the mayor of London Sadiq Khan welcome it's good to finally be asked to come on the podcast you know it's, you know I've, I've been begging
1: asking to go on and this you, you got to write a damn book before you can come in the podcast so I've, I've written a book just to get on the podcast <laughs> so the things we do to get on the podcast
0: exactly I know I know so it's, it's a long way around but uh but it's fine and it, uh, it's good to have you finally here um I'm going to kick off with a question that I think is going to lead into the book okay but uh, but it's kind of um I guess a, a backdoor entrance I think but the question is what do you think is the biggest threat to our children's futures
1: one of the things that we've got to recognise is, if you look back over previous generations and we reflect on our parents and our grandparents and those lucky enough to know their grandparents, we always work on the basis that we, our children have it better than us. So often, we, when you when you, if your listeners reflect and if they if they're middle class uh, dads or or, or, or mums, hopefully they're better off than their parents were. And my big worry is this will be the first generation, our children, who won't be, forget they won't be better off than us, they won't be as well off as us. us. And I think that's a big problem because, you know, one of the things about about a legacy is making sure that your children are better than you. So I'll give you an example. My parents, immigrants, working class, I grew up working class, I'm now middle class. I went to university. Um, and so my children have been raised middle-class. My worry is when they become adults question, will they be better or worse off or the same, the same as I am. And I think for the first time in generations, our children may be less well-off than we were and are. And that's a problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I completely agree with that. And, and as well, I think, um, you know, when we're talking about, um, uh, being better off obviously there's the financial connotations, but actually just in in our life situation oh a um, whole,
1: whole, whole host of things just on. so whether they go to university to get an apprenticeship, whether they can be homeowners mm. whether they're as well as financially whether the air they breathe is as good as it should be mm. issues around climate change I mean last year for example across our country where temperatures north of forty one degrees celsius we have regularly now mm. across our country floods. From you know, sea, river, flash flooding in our uh, cities, wildfires across our uh, country, and, and so forth. So it's a real issue. You know, we, need to, we, you know we, we sort of, in a pejorative way, call the next generation, snowflake generation, Gen Z, so forth. But you know, Generation C, Generation Z, our children. Unless we take action now as parents and you know, the, the current generation, I really worry about their future. Think about the conversation we have about, is there a decent school near us? Is there a decent healthcare? Is there enough homes for people to afford to, uh, you know, rent, let alone buy and that's, Those are sort of the challenges which our generation are grappling with unless we, unless we grapple with them. I worry about our children.
0: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, and, and I guess that leads into your book, Breathe, um, which is all around, um, the climate crisis. Um, And I I think, um, you know, it's a fascinating topic. Um, One thing that I think you cover in the book is how you talk to sceptics. So what do you, if if we're going to try and make the future of our children's lives better, we have to acknowledge the problem in the first place. So what do you say to sceptics?
1: Well, firstly, this book is not a political memoir. It's a personal book. It's a handbook uh, addressing the issues of climate change and air pollution and my journey. I'm somebody who, you know, used to be a lawyer before I became an MP, uh, and before I, but before I was mayor, I was, I was an MP, cabinet minister, shadow cabinet, and so forth. I wasn't aware of air pollution, what causes it. Uh, when I, when I would think about climate change, I would think it's an issue for other people, sub-Saharan Africa, or Bangladesh, or an island in the West Indies. It's an issue for 20, 30 years time. And the key point to get across is this is a very much an us issue, and a now issue it affects us now we can't wish it away. And what I do in the book is I deal with the sort of obstacles that I've found in my journey from, you know, fatalism, nothing we can do about it. Apathy, doesn't affect me. Cynicism, they're all the same. Deprioritization, there are other things more important. Hostility, you know, uh, uh, against these policies because they could be they could be skeptics or whatever. The cost of doing this. Uh, and, and also uh, gridlock. And what I do is I explain the problem, how I've responded to it as uh, the mayor, uh, what that's led to and stuff. And th- to the skeptics, there are a number of reasons why people could be skeptical. Mm-hmm. It could be because look, there's nothing we can do about it anyway. What's the point? China and India doing all this. What is the point of doing this? And I do in the chapter with that, but I had to respond to that. To those who say, listen, all politicians are the same. They're cynical. What's the point? I deal with how you can build coalitions and address uh, that issue Hostility, how you don't allow a vocal minority of well-organized people, often well-funded by vested interests, to crowd out the views of the silent majority and, and so forth. And so what I do is, is my own personal experiences of how we dealt with these uh, things. But here's the point. We can be the first generation to get it and address these issues, or the last generation not to, because the bad news is climate change is causing massive problems to our city, our country uh, you know, global north, global south. Air pollution causing around ninety ten thousand 10,000 deaths a year in our country, 4,000 in London. Wow. 99% of the world's population is breathing in poison. You can't see it. It's an invisible killer. Nitrogen yeah. dioxide, particular matter, uh, and, and the rest of it. If you and I were speaking in the 1950s, we could see it, the great smog. And they led to the mm-hmm. power stations in the centre of our cities being removed from the centre of our cities. If you know I was speaking in the middle of the nineteenth century, we could smell it, the great stink, which led to sewers being built from Baseljet and so forth. The problem with this crisis, air pollution and climate change, is only very uh, on very rare occasions can you see it. And that's why it's really important to, you know, educate ourselves. And I'm not, by the way, it's really important for me to say this. I'm not saying I'm a perfect green activist. I'm you know, I'm not a vegan. I still fly. Um, you know I probably still leave the tap running too much when I'm brushing my
0: teeth and so forth so what I'm talking about is little things we can all do to to bring about change yeah and and I think like that's one of the most important things when we're talking about families because communicating this to our kids without the the scaremongering and the doom and gloom aspect of it is really important so you know it'd be great if you could just expand on you know how we talk to our children about this subject, um, and then also, I guess, those small things that we should be teaching our children to do as they as they grow up. Well, I suspect most of us have been taught by our children, not the other way around.
1: That's the <laughs> that's the interesting thing about about this issue. Yeah, you know, our children are far more savvy and far more aware than uh, we are in relation to these issues, which is which is noteworthy as well. I, I talked about how we could be the first generation where. Uh, you know, we're better off than our kids, but also we're probably the first generation who are being taught by the kids and there's this pressure upwards, you know, and this thing has been pointed about what are we doing about this? So the first thing I'd, I'd say in relation to those whose kids aren't as aware of this, it's worth explaining, you know, to children basic things like, you know, where food comes from. So I'll give you an example. So we in London have started this thing called rewilding. What I mean by that is if you look at the last 200 years in most cities around our country, and around the world, We've dewilded, got rid of the green spaces, got rid of the wildlife to build homes, concrete, jungle, and so forth. And what the pandemic reminded us of is how much we need nature, how much we love the sound of birds and, and we need trees and so forth. Not just basic photosynthesis, trees taking the bad stuff, carbon dioxide put out the good stuff oxygen but they're really important for our mental health and uh well-being in fact we've brought we've brought back beavers to london the first two we've named justin beaver and sigourney beaver by the way but <laughs> because nice. because yeah we're bringing beavers back and bats back and and uh and um uh, you know bees back and so forth because they're really important for they build dams they're really important for our you know for for our, for our well-being and so forth so you know so explain to your children where these things come from so you know grapes that come 3000 miles away or food and stuff, you know, explain, you know, how things, how things work, but also be hopeful. I'm really, I, I'm really hopeful. You know, in London, when I was running to be mayor, I was told by experts at King's college, it would take 193 years to make the air in London within legal limits. Now they say we'll do it by 2025. So you've got to be hopeful and give people hope and optimism because yeah. otherwise that kids will think, what's the point? That sort of fatalism, nothing we can do about it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And and those small things are actually things like, they're activities we can do with our kids. Like it oh, doesn't yeah. need to be a sit down education piece. So let me tell
1: you a great story. So in 2017, there was, a, there, was a, there was a school in Camden, which is in the center of London, where the kids and the teachers lobby in the school and the council to have what's called a school street. So a school street is a street outside a school where when the school starts, And when the school finishes, there's no cars. Why is that important? Because kids want to walk to school. They want to Mm -hmm. scoot to school. They want to cycle to school. But not unreasonably, parents are a bit nervous because of traffic on the main roads, plus idling cars and so forth. So from one school in 2017 being a school street, we now have more than 500 in London. And kids love it, walking to school, cycling to school, scooting to school. And we then had a situation where you've got kids saying to their teachers, look, this car parking in our school where you're parking your car can't you make that into a garden. And so we've got schools in London now where children are learning about nature and worms and planting and food by having gardens in their school. There's another example of um, a project we did with a school, and I'll talk about it in the book, where a school by the A4 in West London have a green wall. They've planted green things on the wall, which is helping in relation to improving the quality of air inside their uh, school. Kids get it, man. Kids are smart. Mm. And also kids, you know, don't, you know, kids, forgive my language, cut through the ball. They, they will ask you tough questions because they'll say, why not? Why not? Why not? When you, and you explain why things are difficult. And so, you know, that's why I'm really hopeful. And if we can, you know, get children energized, they'll put pressure on their parents and we'll, you know, bring about a
0: movement. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, so, you know, that's, that small scale, those little changes that schools can make, that parents can make with their children. And, and you know, the idea is that that generation coming up through, let you say, that's that pressure upwards. What can we do on a big scale? Like, what? Where, how does that change? Because I think for people like us, you know, just dads, it, it seems so colossal to change things that there's an element where it's like, I can't even, how do we even begin to do that? So what needs to change on that big scale? So
1: there's, 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 I call that fatalism. There's this chapter from the book, one of the episodes is fatalism. There's nothing I can do about it. The scale's too big. Firstly, as as fathers, as dads, what I say is, don't be a passive consumer. Don't just whether it's around obesity and uh, you know ultra processed food, whether it's around air quality, whether it's around climate change, whether it's around the sexualization of children's clothes, particularly girls' clothes and stuff. Right, don't be a passive consumer. Be an active citizen take an interest in uh, uh, these things as parents of your uh, kids from what they're reading to what they were in, to how they get into school and so forth, because these values we instill in our kids, these things we teach our kids are, are life skills. They'll stand them in good stead going forward. So I'll give you an example. When I was, when I was 16, 15, 16, I, people of my age were desperate to get a provisional license to get a, to get a, you know, take driving lessons and pass your, test to be, get a license age 17. And now what's interesting about kids is they want to walk, they want to cycle, they want to use public transport because of, of the, the, they understand that actually you don't, a car's not a be all and end all. And so it's worth thinking about things we can teach our kids that instill in them the importance of walking, cycling, using public transport. This thing my, my kids have taught me about, there's a phrase which I discovered a few years ago called pre-loved. So pre-loved is basically, you know, is recycled clothes. So my daughters say, you know, did you like, my, do you like my jacket? It's a pre-loved jacket. What's a pre-loved jacket? It's basically recycled. We call it recycled, right? Or, or, <laughs> or vintage. They say, say, dad, come shop with me. I said, fine, fine. We'll be going. Vintage shopping. What's vintage shopping? I'd call it, you know, thrift shops or secondhand shops. And so your kids can teach you stuff, man. It's fascinating in relation to, yeah. you know,
0: language and stuff. And they're, they're way ahead of it than we were. So, so the point there is that... Um, what do we do on a big scale? Will we start by doing stuff on a small scale?
1: And then uh, and the, spot on. And so, so, so small scale, just educate yourselves and your family and get involved. My point about a passive consumer versus an active citizen is an active citizen will do things in their family and then lobby, right? So mm-hmm. it could be, it could be your PTA, your school in relation to, can we have a school street, you know, are, are our kids learning about recycle, reduce, uh, reuse, lobbying the council uh, in relation to what they can do in your community, in relation to improving things in your community, lobbying your member of parliament. You know, so, so in my view, be, being an active citizen isn't just voting once every mm-hmm. four or five years. It's, you know, petitions, it's, it's, you know, get involved in demonstrations or protests. Simple things like, you know, the, the energy we're using for our home, where is it coming from? Is it coming from fossil fuels? Is our energy company environmentally friendly? Because some energy companies are probably shouldn't name brands. Some energy companies are really good at ensuring that the energy they provide you is from renewables, Mm. from, you know, solar or wind. So we as active citizens can make choices in relation, not just lobbying, but rewarding good behavior. One of the things I've done as mayor is we used to have lots of pension money that we invest. And a lot of the pension money we invest was being invested in fossil fuel companies. Right? And so we've divested that money from the fossil fuel companies and invested it in profitable green companies. But also I've worked with mayors of other cities around the world, there's 14 of us, and we've now divested more than $400 billion from the bad companies, fossil fuel companies, to the green companies So we are rewarding good behavior. And so there are other things, you know, that we can do. So, you know, what I'd say, you know, as a dad, as a parent, you know, by being an active citizen rather than a passive consumer, there are, there are all these things you can do that you weren't aware of before. So on a small micro scale, you, your kids, your family to, you know, um, a macro scale in relation to community, region, city, country, and nationwide. Yeah. And worldwide.
0: Yeah. No, I I like that. Um, Last question on the book. You mentioned at the start that you've, this is a, this is a personal book. Like you said, it's it's not a political um, tool or anything like that. What, why is it, so why is it personal what's what why is it important to you as as Sadiq well I, I've been quite honest in this book in relation to
1: my journey and my journey very simply the the key light bulb moment for me was in 2014 when i you know you know decided to run the a marathon to raise money for charity and so forth I had a fourth medical before I decided to train for the marathon I ran the marathon and a few weeks months later I realized there's something wrong with me And I had a diagnosis from a doctor who said, I've got asthma, adult onset asthma. And I was, I thought I was reasonably well-informed, reasonably knowledgeable. And I started, you know, doing some work and research in relation to this. Mm -hmm. When I was a lawyer and I became a partner, I negotiated a car park space for my car, even though my film was in central London. When I had my first child as a lawyer, uh, you know, I I bought a Land Rover Discovery, even though I never left London, I never went off-roading. When I was an MP, I voted for a new runway at Heathrow. And so my journey has been one where I've gone from that position to somebody who's mm. passionate about climate change and air quality. And if, I, if I'm honest with you, and I've got to be honest with you, it was self-interest because I got diagnosed with asthma. Yeah. But but many of your listeners, if they think about when they were growing up, they probably knew very few people with asthma. I bet now, if you're speaking to your listeners, every single one of your listeners, if not themselves, knows somebody who's got asthma. That didn't happen by itself, but happened because of pollution in the air that we can't Mm. uh, see. So my book is about my own journey uh, and also trying to use the experiences from my journey to explain how this handbook will help you hopefully become an active citizen, but also things you can do to bring about change yourself. And by the way, none of us has got to be perfect. None of us has to be perfect. And so don't allow yourself to think, you know what, I'm not it, I shouldn't be involved in this. All of us have a role to play.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and um, you're talking to an asthma sufferer. Oh, right. I didn't um, know
1: that. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I'm you. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, um, I, you know, there, there's. I, I know when I've spent the day in a city uh, because the next day or days – my asthma will be playing up much worse, um, and then you know we're—I mean, you know—a town, and uh, we're on the outskirts. But still, you know, if I've had a day where I've been at home or you know somewhere much more rural, that the, I have a few days of real kind of clear breathing. If I've spent a day or a couple of days kind of in a city, then you know I know about it. So I know exactly what you mean.
1: I bother you, I bother you, i am really sorry, you got asthma as indeed I have, but ninety-nine percent. Of the world's population is breathing in poison, but we can't Mm -hmm. see it. And in our country, there are thousands of deaths each year because of this. Our children, by the way, have permanently stunted lungs because of this stuff that we can't see in asthma, cancer, heart disease, dementia, all linked with uh, air pollution. And by the way, you you know, you're right about if if you're really, really far away from, you know, mankind, you're okay. You get good quality air, but you don't escape it. If a car is idling outside a church in a village yeah. Some of the stuff used in farming it emits particular matter 2.5, nitrogen oxide, nitrogen dioxide. That's why, you know, the, you know, it's really important for us to be aware of this stuff because, you know, uh, you know, until I got asthma, I had no idea. And I'm pretty well read, pretty informed. For goodness mm. sake, I was a member of parliament and I, st- I wasn't aware.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, um, Sadiqa's dad. Sure. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of important roles, but probably none as important as, um, raising your kids. Um, my girls the- told
1: you, my girls told you so, didn't they? <laughs> my
0: girls said, make <laughs> sure did. you tell him that it's the most important role he has. I did. I did. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what's been the best moment? Now, parenthood is being a dad is this filled with so many moments, but what do you think? Like just maybe just pinpoint a moment that you've just kind of reflected and gone, wow, that was, one of the best moments i've ever had as a dad
1: well the recent one is last summer because of the pandemic my oldest daughter my, my girls are now 23 and 21 They're women are 23 and 21 and uh, because of the pandemic my eldest daughter's graduation was delayed so during the course of seven days my wife and i had the privilege privilege of going to two graduations both anisa's and amara's and I see this there are lots of periods during the course of your kid's life when they're first born you know, when they are nappy trained, uh their first, when they start walking, the first day in reception, the first day in primary school, the first day they get front door key, mobile phone, secondary school, going home alone from secondary school. And you can think about all the different stages. Graduation was just, uh, uh, the, the, the weather was great as well, which helps. But it's like, my wife and I were saying, it's like, it's like, by the way, it's not the be all and end all going to university and finishing your degree and stuff. I'm not saying that, but it's a, it's a nice sort of, you sort of think we've raised, we've raised good, decent, sensible, savvy kids, but also you've got a photograph, which, you know, that there's, you know, that with that, and it's, just, it's yeah. just, it was just a lovely, 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 lovely week because it was bookended by just because of the, the delay with the pandemic. You know, we've got two kids, eldest and our youngest, both having graduation so close, uh, together but you you'll know this listen you love yeah. your kids unconditionally you love your kids un- and i and I, I reflect back i think i was a bad i think i gave my parents a hard time i mean you know, my parents <laughs> had you know eight kids uh, you know seven boys and a girl but it's only when you become a parent do you realize how great your parents were does that make sense because
0: yeah, you don't realize
1: be, you know what i mean and you think god i was so bad i mean i, I was i was you know i was so ungrateful uh, you know, so even now, my my wife and I, but both both of us have lost our I've lost our dads. I lost my dad in uh, September two thousand three. My wife lost her dad uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and both of us, when we go and see our mums, just reflect on how important our dads were to us. And and, and you know, you'll you know this from, from 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 being a dad. It's a great joy being a dad, but it's hard work. It's hard work, and so it's I'm so more hard. grateful to my yeah. It's so hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> it never stops. By the way, just I, I, when I meet when I meet new parents, uh, you know, I always say, "Listen, I want to say it gets easier, different set of challenges." And so, you know, I, might, yeah. I think you know, so so first few years are actually the best because the kids the kids love you, they want to spend time with you, they do whatever you say. Age twelve to twenty, age twelve to nineteen is tricky. I've got teenage teenage girls and stuff. Then they come back and they're great again. Yeah, it
0: what's lovely. Is that that moment that you know, kind of that one of those best moments was when they were uh, 21 and 23 or, or however old because um you know like you like, like you say a lot of people kind of think our oh, parenting is kind of until they're 18 but actually there's those wonderful moments that just carry on and carry on and carry on oh I'm listen 35. I just you
1: know yeah but but, but i do think people realize this so there are people listening to this who aren't parents thinking what the hell they're talking about so my my kids uh, moved back home I still don't go to sleep until they're both back in. So I'm up to like sometimes 2, 3am because you say, or unless they've texted me say that, you know what I mean? What's what's happening? So because it never stops, right?
0: It never stops. Mm, Never stops. And I mean, my mum's probably would say the same thing right now, age 35. Um, uh, So, you know, you've said it's been hard. Parenting is hard. Um, What has been like, when's it, when's it gone wrong? Like, is there a moment where, I don't know, for, those listening who have younger babies you've left the house for the day and you've realized you've got no nappies like when's it gone wrong for you
1: oh yeah i've got a number of stories like that i mean so 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 (laughs) you know so so you remember when your kids are young you know uh and you're going out with with your kids it's like a military operation you've got the bag the nappies the the wipes and so forth you know the bottle of formula mix and stuff right um, you know, when because we my wife is all you know, full time job, my, my wife's a lawyer and stuff, and so often I'd be looking after Anise or Amara. Many occasions I've left the house without the right size nappies, with, you know, without the nappies I've got because my kids are twenty months apart, and so you, you know the different size nappies and stuff. A mere, and also you know the mess if you get the nappy the wrong size and stuff that can be made afterwards. There's oh, a, yes. there's a story, there's a story that my oldest reminds me of is, uh, and I'm just so, so grateful that that, that nobody rang you know, child line or something is I forgot to pick her up from school, from primary school. I, just, I, I forgot to pick her up from primary school. And luckily my mum lives Amazing. around the corner. Um And she still reminds me to this day that I forgot to pick her up from, like, she's 23 now. She still reminds me when she was aged nine, I forgot to pick her up from uh, uh, primary uh school. But I, I've had, you know, that, that's, that's, that's the thing about if dads are being honest, There are many occasions where you make mistakes and you make errors and stuff. You know, I remember Mm -hmm. both my girls went to on a Friday night gymnastics and then swimming and um, the healthy snacks my wife left out, I didn't take. And so we'd bought, we'd buy, you know, chocolate bars and crisps between the, you know, and like, like, because of my negligence, uh, you know, not taking the healthy (laughs) snacks she'd she'd prepared or whatever, (laughs) you know, there's loads of stories like that. Or, Or my wife gave me a simple task, which is to, before you take the kids to their friend's birthday party make sure you go to the shop in, in in enough time to buy a gift so you don't go to the party yeah. empty-handed uh i've left it too late not a chance to buy a gift and so i was the there last kids, week well and then yeah the, and, the, and then you're paranoid are the other kids parents talking about you for not taking a gift right but it's like so yeah yeah it's,
0: yeah, it's in the whatsapp group saying oh so-and-so didn't bring a <laughs> oh yeah
1: yeah yeah spot on spot on <laughs>
0: Um, listen, I, I'm so grateful for your time. I won't keep you any longer, but it is customary for us to finish our episodes with a dad joke. So I've got a dad joke. I don't know whether you have one prepared, but don't worry if not. But if, if it's okay, I'll try and make you have a laugh with a dad joke, if that's okay. Go on, go on. Uh, what do you call a, what do you call a dad with uh, cat scratches all over his face? I don't know. Clawed. What do you call
1: a dad? Sorry? Claude. Yeah, no, not not the second time either.
0: Well, perfect. That means I nailed
1: it dad. So so I I told my daughters I was telling dad jokes before I was a dad. Uh but you know, so so I don't approve of political jokes. I've seen too many elected. Are you are you are you into American politics? Uh, actually, yes, quite a lot. <laughs> there, 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 there's a term for a president called Donald Trump, but well, probably not a second one though. <laughs> 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 I could go on all day. But so, what? 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 I tell I I the interesting thing about 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 my children of being a parent is um, I know Ed Balls uh, pretty well, uh, and my kids know I know Ed Balls pretty well. And when Ed Balls was on uh, Strictly Come Dancing, my daughters made me promise them I would never go in Strictly, but I would never dance in public ever. And so, you know, that's one promise I have kept, but I'm not I'm not disallowed from telling my dad jokes, so I'll still carry on telling my dad jokes.
0: So, so no dancing in public, but dad jokes is fine quite amazing amazing Sadiq so, it's been wonderful I really appreciate your time um, and the insights around the book we'll make sure there's a link in the description below um, but any, anyone can kind of search for Great. Um, your book um, it's called Brief. good talking to you um, thank you so much take care man take it easy ta da a Net original podcast